this isn't a feel good not at all company this is because we love women's basketball and yeah. you know whatever anybody else wants to do is what they want to do but we Absolutely. care about what's going on here Ball players, what's going on? This your boy Arden here, bringing you into another episode of the Ball Players Podcast, where myself and a special guest we talk about the who's who of what's happening in the game, on and off the court. But we also get to learn about them and then some. And I'm excited for today, man, because you see what's going on, man. You see the drip, you see the swag. This person that is across from me, I gotta tell you straight up and down, ball players. To me, in my honest opinion, I think in this day and age, they're they're a forefather. Um, I think they're legendary in a great way because a lot of people often think about things and we often talk about what we're supposed to do. She actually decided to do it. <laughs> You're looking at the physical right here. Moolah Kicks, in case you haven't heard about it, is a shoe, the first shoe specifically designed for women's basketball players. And so far, business has been booming. You can find these all over the place. You can find these at your local Dick Sporting Goods. Mark Cuban knew the vibes. Everybody's knowing what's going on. Shout out to Henny. You feel me? Rocking this fresh out of South Carolina and beyond. And I'm excited about the special guest that we have here because she is somebody who I truly respect, who I've enjoyed following her journey and everything beyond. And she's now on the Ball Players Podcast. Natalie White, what's up? Awesome. Thank you for having me. What an introduction. Thank you. Got to. Got to show Thank love. You. I I'm, I'm talking to history in the awesome. making. Awesome. Seriously. I love it. Seriously, this is great. We're going to get into this yep. for sure. But first, my first question that I love to ask our special guests on the podcast. Okay. What made you fall in love with the game of basketball? Oh, my God. From the day, you know, from the day I started. I started when I was, I think, four or five, nice. you know, my dad used to shoot around with me outside. And then I think it got, it got serious for me in middle school. You know, I grew up always, of course, like so many girls playing on the boys teams when you're in elementary school and stuff. And then in middle school, I started playing for team Prince mm, in Brooklyn. Okay. And that was Epiphany Prince's team back yeah, in the day. Yeah, Epiphany and Prince. And when I played, when I played for her team, when I played for Team Prince, it all changed. I played under Coach Anwar, Coach Jermaine mm. out of South Shore, and that's when I that's where I learned everything. You know, I learned how to tuck the ball in front yep. of me and run through the middle, and and that's when I'd say I fell in love with it. So you can already tell, folks, this is this is New York right here, right? Oh, yeah. Epiphany Prince, walking bucket, okay? Sound Shore, salute to Sound Shore. We know what's going on, right? So for you, being from New York, are you from New York City or which part of New York? I'm from New York City, yep. Okay, perfect, yep. perfect. And I got to give you this shout-out because I told you, when I was doing my research on you, I realized we was tapped in in a couple of different okay. areas. First things first, I'm happy to meet a fellow alumni member of Dribble. Oh, always. Dribble. Shout out to Teddy Frischlin, Dalton. <laughs> I would have never thought. I was a camp counselor at Dribble. That was my, one of my first jobs. I started when I was in, I think I was in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had it from 10th grade through senior year of high school. I worked Dribble every yeah. weekend as a counselor. Me too. Yeah. Right up the Upper East Side. Good I money. was at that location. Yeah, right and on 87th Street. What's so funny is Teddy is a part of like a very special family at my camp. Brent Lake Camp. Okay. So I come from there, and Teddy's family, they're like camp royalty. And Dribble was also one of my first jobs. Oh, wow. At just getting into coaching. So I remember every Saturday, right after they had their 8 a.m. run, I yep. was lowering the rims and coaching till 12 and 1. And, yep, you got the motion down. Exactly that. And secondly, we both come from the Ivy Prep League. Oh, I coached for five years at Riverdale. There you go. At Riverdale Country School. Fieldston. Went to Fieldston. Down the road. Oh, yeah. 
Big yeah. rivalry with Riverdale. Big rivalry. Do you I coach unfortunately the... never beat Philston. Mm. Do you coach the boys or the girls? What girls, years? middle school girls basketball. What year? I coached literally from, what was it, 17 until last year. Oh, so long after I graduated. Oh, that's awesome, though. 17 oh through my last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that league is quite different, no? I don't know how they do it. They always got a squad. They are. When I when I played, we went. Always to, got a squad. When I played, we went to the the state semifinals my freshman year. But there's definitely different tiers here in this of of what levels. But especially in the middle school level, it's like I'm going oh, against middle, middle school girls schools, are good, yeah. and I'm like, how y'all got freaking young? They're good. Dinah Tarasi on this team. Like it's not just like oh like they play on the weekends. It's like no like. They play for real. Like, it's insane. And then Dalton always keeps a squad. Yep. There was a girl that they had on Dalton before we transitioned. I forgot which school she's going to. She's going to Mary D1. Ashley Group going to Purdue. Yep. Great I player. I faced her my first year. She outscored my entire team. No way. Swear to God. Yep. We were we smoked. That's on brand for that league, though. You know what I yep. mean? Like, it's insane. Out. It's insane. But, no, I had to share that connection. Good. I appreciate it. Because that was fun. It. I really enjoyed that. And just to get into this, right, again, with, with Moolah Kicks – there always has to be a beginning, yep. right? So I want to take it back with you from the jump. What were some of your earliest sneaker memories? What was the sneaker or sneakers that Natalie growing, like growing up, up playing, hooping? What were the sneakers that you wanted? Oh, my gosh. Well, I used to, in middle school, I was so particular about my sneakers. There used to be this site back in the day. This was not on court. This is off court. But in New York, at least, there was this site where – it was called like womensneakerconnect.com mm-hmm. or something ridiculous. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But basically, it was like a Craigslist for female sneaker traders. And I remember I picked up a pair of Hair One, Jordan mm-hmm. Hair One. You guys remember those? Yep. And Jordan Sunset Fives. Tough. And I was in love. I had those two. And then I got a pair of Concords, waited outside of. Waited outside one of the stores in Brooklyn, I think it was 2011 or 2013, for my mm-hmm. Concords in middle school. And uh, I have, I still have those. I've worn them like twice. That's so in fire. middle school, I loved, I loved all of the sneaker drops. I loved all the new models coming out. And I really liked trading them and like mm-hmm. collecting them. And on court, on court, I used to wear, I used to wear LeBrons actually. Really? Those big, chunky LeBrons. Yeah. I used to wear LeBrons for a while, but. I think that kind of contributes to starting the company, right? Yeah. Like there, there never really feels like a perfect fit yep. if you're a women's basketball player. Yep. Like I picture myself and LeBron's. I'm, I'm sure they were as big as I was in middle school. Yeah, because you know? like you, you messing up my head. Because I'm yeah. thinking, because wait, because like, what years are we talking about specifically? 2012, I guess. Oh yeah, you had the chunky LeBron's. Oh, the chunkiest. Those yeah. are these are not like the LeBron 20s that we know now, like no. low. Cl- like these are no. the heavy ones Very heavy. for when he's like six eight two seventy mm-hmm. and he here's Natalie in middle school yep. or high school wearing those that's <laughs> being like crazy coming in five four one twenty wearing is shoes crazy. that are as big I know ridiculous I wore the LeBron's middle school and then in high school I transitioned to some of the Adidas sneakers mm-hmm. and some of the Hyperdunk sneakers mm-hmm. I remember for good. me PGs I always enjoyed. I always enjoyed Paul George's Which relatively ones? new shoes. The ones. The ones. Ones and twos. Kai's for a while. LeBron. Love LeBron, but I could never <laughs> get into LeBron's because it's like, yo, I learned early on, like, you got to wear a sneaker that matches your game. Yeah. You got to learn that from those, the jump. Those didn't match my game, let me tell you. I still had some learning to do in that category. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to get into this now because, again, like, you really changing the game with this. 
And, you know, it was something that I had read as well as just done research on you on where he was like, yes, right. Women's basketball players have had sneakers named after them, right? Yep. They've had sneakers marketed to them, but not sneakers necessarily designed for them in terms of, hey, regardless if you're a guard to a big, this sneaker is for you the same way that we know on the men's side. So essentially, what was the inspo behind Moolah Kicks? And then we're going to get into all of the great details. Yep. I think there's two things that we look at, right? Mm -hmm. The lack of women's basketball sneakers in the past, you touched on both of them. It has a negative social implication, but also a negative performance implication because women's feet are different than men's in a few key places. And Mm -hmm. that's something that growing up, I didn't know. I think many, (laughs) many girls, many men, many women I talk to, they just don't know this because we almost think of footwear the same way that we think of clothing, but it's not. It's a piece of performance equipment. And so on the inside of every sneaker, they're actually molded at the factory based off of a foot form, kind of like a skeleton of the foot, which is called the last, L-A-S-T. And so all of the sneakers on the market that I had growing up that up until Moolah Kicks were out there were molded, not only named after male players, but mm-hmm. were molded for the male foot form. And so when we as female hoopers put them on, it actually increases your risk for mm-hmm. knee, ankle, and leg injuries, which are so common in women's hoops when you're playing in sneakers that that aren't fit for your foot form. And so I started Moolah Kicks because you could see it, right, as how you opened up this podcast. You could kind of get out there and be like, oh, we don't have anything. We need this. We need this. Or you can say, wait a second, there's a much bigger opportunity to make not just a sneaker, but an entire brand Mm -hmm. that is dedicated to being for women's basketball players built by and for us where the sneakers do fit our feet. But the brand and the approach and the messaging reflects our game and is here as a new system, right, where girls can, when they purchase from Moolah Kicks, every dollar that they spend on the sneaker goes back into more dollars for women's basketball. And that's something that no other brand can say. And I want to follow up with the design part again, right, because for me, again, preparing for this episode when I was reading and finding out about that, that honestly blew my mind. And I'm somebody that, like, you know, I like to say I know a little something, something about yep. the game. I'm usually more informed than not. But I did not know that in terms of, like, wait a minute, you're telling me that the same shoes that are also marketed to women, women aren't actually meant for them in terms of actual built comfort, things of that nature. Because we've always just been told growing up. Hey, wear a shoe that's best for your game. If you're a guard, wear a guard shoe. If you're a big, wear a big shoe. You done took it to another level and said, let me get into the sports science. And I want to get into that because looking at this, right, looking at your your baby right here, which part of these shoes are things that you most considered while going through the design that you knew for women players, this is for them right here? Well, first and foremost, it's the female fit on the inside. Why that explanation is needed is because it can't be seen, right? And so Mm -hmm. you're saying, how did I not know this? Most people don't, they don't know, and that's okay because Mm -hmm. it's, 
what we're referring to when we talk about fit is the empty space, which is so hard for consumers to see. And so that's first and foremost, when you put it on, it fits your feet, how players say, oh my God, this fits me like a sneaker, not like a shoe. Yeah. Not like a basketball shoe. This fits me like a normal sneaker. What they mean is this fits me like all the other women's, my women's running shoe, my women's, their other women's sneakers, not the men's shoes that they're used to wearing for basketball that they're used to breaking in. So when you're playing with that form, the game feels lighter and quicker, Mm -hmm. right? And you don't have that, your toes hitting the top of the sneaker. You don't have the bottom of your feet rubbing and heating up and burning, right? Which Mm -hmm. a lot of female basketball players experience. And you don't have that break-in period. But on top of that, we have an engineered mesh upper there that's super breathable, very lightweight. We have a TPU heel counter on the heel of the sneaker you can see there. Again, that's just a nice piece of hardware that gives you a quick first step. And then we have a molded tongue that adds that extra layer of cushion along with that webbing lacing system, which actually wraps around your foot and kind of cradles it in place to make so sure. So protection. Exactly. Make sure that you have that lock in and, and you're ready to stay fresh all game. That's fire. And if you could tell by my movement, I watched a lot of sneaker reviews growing up. So I was able He's to remember to point those it things. To the camera. Yep. Yeah. I was like, yep, tongue, heel, mesh. Exactly. I was like, it was in my bag. And I want to now transition into the sell side because, you know, again, congratulations on the success. Thank you. Literally, you can find Moolah Kicks all over online. You can find it in physical stores. Dick Sporting Goods has been a huge ally for this. More and more huge. players. Shout out to Henny again. Just finished a rookie year with the Indiana Fever, the WNBA. Courtney Courtney Williams. as well. Absolutely. Business is certainly booming. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the sales side, what is one thing that you're learning, right? Because you obviously did a lot of learning and embracing of the sports science behind a shoe. Yeah. But now when it comes to the sales side and what is still a very competitive and packed market, what are some of the things that you're learning? Really, that operations is everything. Mm-hmm. I think... People don't always think about what it takes behind the scenes to make something happen, to be on 500 shelves, right? Yeah. Like, what are the logistics behind that? What are, That's what I do all day, right? Yeah. It looks glamorous, looks fun on a podcast. Then you're talking about, oh, no, we have to make sure the labels are a fourth an inch away from the outside of the box. We need to have this type of barcode, that type of barcode. We need to approach our market in the right way. We need to manage our spend in different ad categories. So I think what I've learned about all of it is just – Everything is following through in operations and and having a plan, whether that be sales, whether that be marketing, whether that be our community relations, our athlete relations. It's all about trying to to lead the market with a high level of professionalism that women's basketball has has worked hard to earn. And even with that, right, because to Moolah Kicks credit, not only is there, you know, an emergence with sales and notoriety. But I also think when it comes to branding, right? Again, yeah. we talked about the brand ambassadorship. We talk about the fact that uh, y'all was able to sign, I believe, what, 10-plus NIL deals. 40. 40, incredible stuff. Things that you're able to do on a college level as well with certain players and stuff like that. When it comes to pitching, right, I'll put quotations oh, around I, pitching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not really a pitch. It's like you know the vibes. You know what's going on. You've been looking forward to this, Right. How does that go about with you in a position where you or somebody from your team is pitching Moolah kicks the players and they ultimately buy in? How's that process been like? At the beginning, it was 
a pitch. Yeah. Right. When we were, when we had our first shoot with the Phantom One, and we were we were telling people about the story, why I started it. That felt a lot like you were just describing. We approach the athlete, we tell them what the sneaker's about, try it on, please. Then we've been focusing on our product. We've been focusing on our brand direction. We're leaning into all of the positive things that women's basketball is rather than drawing this comparison to men's. Mm -hmm. And the more we become ingrained in doing that, like the less of a pitch it's become. And we actually kind of hit this turning point where we're getting DMs saying, can I be a Moolah ambassador? I'll, yeah. I'll be a Moolah ambassador for free. I'll, I'll, I'll do kind of whatever's needed for the brand. And I think what's great is that it started out, of course, being all about women's basketball. But now it's really the women's hoops community and yep. athletes saying, no, no, no. XYZ brand can offer me one shoe this season. But Moolah kicks can be a staple for women's basketball for years to come. And I think for a long time, we just didn't have the outlet. But now with women's basketball, seeing what Moolah has already become in three years, it just opened the cap for growth. And so we've seen a lot of players reach out to us and say, well, how can I do more than buy the shoe? How can I get involved? How can I become an NIL player? So I think that the pitch has completely changed from giving the whole backstory to now us reaching out and saying, yo, do you want to do an NIL deal? <laughs> you know, and they yeah. say, oh my God, yeah, perfect. Let's mm-hmm. do it. And what does it say? And again, like this honestly has, for me personally, Natalie, been my favorite part of following along with your journey as well as the journey of uh, Moolah Kicks is the fact that like there is a clear embracement of, I'm going to build here. Women's hoops, women's sports, I'm building here. Because a lot of times I think from what I've seen, and I think from what society has seen, women have wanted to build have built have done their thing but there was always like that crossover appeal or hey we need to get the other side or whatever to be involved and from what i've taken it and please correct me if i'm wrong i've taken it like man we don't need all of that We, we we good over here as long as folks are rocking with us here we are good for that a am i right about that and if so, how does that make you feel to see that embracement? Oh, a thousand percent. I yes. mean, all we do is women's basketball. Yep. That's all I care about. High school, middle school, college, elementary Not school, again, professional, hey. women's hoops. That's a wrap. Because if you're in women's basketball, that's that's what this entire thing is about. One, if you're in women's hoops, especially New York City basketball, yeah. you understand the hype yeah. The culture, the intensity, that showtime attitude, yeah. it's just irreplaceable. And then on the other hand, what we're doing by focusing on women's basketball opens up the way that that the world sees women's basketball. Because so often it's compared to men's for yeah. the reason you just said, right? Oh, well, we do men's and then we do this for women. And even if it seems like, hey, there's a commitment to do something for women – it's that exact wording. You're doing something for women. We're not doing – this isn't a feel-good company. This is because we love women's basketball and we want to give the create the best products, best-performing products for her. And it's not about drawing a comparison and seeing how women stack up against men's basketball. This is about leaning into that intensity that I talked about, that talent, that performance that's in this game. And, you know, whatever anybody else wants to do is what they want to do. But we care about what's going on here. Absolutely. A couple more questions I got for you, Natalie. Brand building. Yep. I think all across women's basketball, and I had a chance to 
talked to Dee Dee Richards about this. Shout out to Dee Dee Richards. Um, just the evolution of brand building in women's basketball to where the same way we see her do her thing on the court and be a traditional, you know, ambassador for X sneaker company, we could see now women's players tear it up on the catwalk and have these different lifestyle things and things of that nature. So I say all that to say, how does it make you feel watching just the growth of brand building in the game right now? It's so exciting because I think that the more that players are investing in their own brand, the more that they're growing, they're following and women's basketball as a whole, you know, the more excitement it's creating. And at the end of the day, we're all after the same thing, which is, the continued success of women's hoops, you know, and more opportunities for players, for brands, for games, for teams. And so to see these players really take hold of their own brand, you know, it's awesome because they're able to control their own destiny and also the image that they want to share with the world rather than it being something that a, a brand or whoever else puts together for them. You know, they're controlling their own narrative. And I think that's something that really connects with fans. One thing I've enjoyed about this pod so far, and it's something that we'll continue to enjoy, is when we are talking about brand building with people, I think it's been very much a fun lesson that -hmm. we're all undergoing where it's like, damn, like, I'm technically a brand myself. (laughs) So how do I build my own brand on top of building an actual brand that we identify for you? What has been like your greatest lesson learned? Because obviously you've locked in on building Moolah Kicks the brand, but Natalie White, ladies and gentlemen, as a brand in her own right, and rightfully so. What is your greatest lesson learned? I don't know. I think that that one's a challenging one for me. I think so often, really, the way I see it is is that I, I'm dedicating everything that I have to making this brand reflect women's basketball. And so I think that right now, you're, you're so right. Everyone is building their own brand, and then maybe something else, too. And for me... My own brand is important, but it's nothing compared to what what I'm trying to do for women's basketball. And Moolah Kicks, we work really hard to make sure that it's not even a reflection of me as Natalie. It's, it's a reflection of women's basketball players the way that, the way that they want to be reflected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really I, it's such an important question. And it's also one that I can say that who I who what my personal brand is, I guess, would just be doing every working as hard as I can and, and sacrificing as much as I can to push this brand as far as it can go. I asked you in the beginning, what made you fall in love with the game? Last question is, what keeps you in love with the game? I think all the same reasons I fell in love with it. It is it is everything that's happening right now in women's basketball that is a reason to want to keep being a part of this, you know. And, and I don't need any convincing. I'm here to, to keep, keep up the hype and show other people why they should be involved. But it's the intensity right now, the performance, the athleticism of all of these players from – we're seeing kids in second grade all the yeah. way through professional just lighting it up. And it's, it's really something special. So I think every day I couldn't be more excited to be a part of Women's Hoop since it start building what we are. I'm excited that, A, I got the chance to have you on the podcast. Thank you. So thank you so much, Natalie. Ballplayers fam, 137 fam, please tell your loved ones, sister, cousins, girlfriends, whoever. You know them to hoop. Tell them to tap in with Moolah Kicks out all over the place, online, physical stores. The colorways are crazy. This is meant for the ladies.
This is really dope. You're literally looking at history in the making. And that is today's episode of the Ball Players Podcast. Folks, thank you like usual for tuning in. Love is love. This is your boy Arden here. Of course, you know who we presented by. 1.37 p.m. Make sure y'all stay curious and do y'all thing. Natalie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. Greatly appreciate y'all. Holler. Holler.